talk about this idea of detoxing. And when you detox, some things are removed from your body. <laughs> and it can get real ugly and real smelly really fast. Who's ever done a detox? You're like, what? That was in my body? And now it's coming out? Do you want to see a picture of that? No, I'm not going to show you a picture. That's gross. You guys are sick. And so when you detox, though, it's like there's a weight on you or a weight in you, and it's removed. It's detoxifying. Things that are killing you from the inside are now suddenly on the outside, and you are free. And we at times need a soul detox because there are heavy things that kind of gunk on our soul and in our soul. There are heavy things. There are sad things. There are the pressures of the world. And sometimes we're like, I need a reset. I need a restart. I need a detox. We do this all the time with diets, the master cleanse diet. <laughs> Pastor Amrita talked about that last week, about how she drinks some maple syrup and some cayenne pepper and some organic lemons. And she drink all of that and almost pooped her car seat and uh, driving, right? I don't know how graphic you got in that story, but not that graphic at all. A little detail has been added. <laughs> A little detail has been added, so uh, I'm detoxing uh, right now, that story. And uh, I, there are these things that are just heavy on us. And, you know, uh, last week it was my birthday, and uh, we, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, for my birthday, my wife knows I love painful challenges, so she planned a surprise trip. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know who was going to be at this birthday party. She planned that I would climb up to the top of Mount Rainier and hang out at Camp Muir, which is, uh, for a lot of people, super dangerous, and people have died. People have died. And we started off this hike, and uh, I had, like, really bad gloves, and in our group of guys, some of us didn't even have gloves or hats. I was wearing boots that were like 10 pounds, and it was so heavy. We were so unprepared. We didn't have a guide. We didn't train. We weren't like in shape for this, and I was in heaven. <laughs> I love painful challenges and puns. If you want to speak my love language, painful challenges and puns, and I will Love you forever. <laughs> and so we're climbing this mountain, and we're hearing all these stories about how people have literally died on this, even before making summit. Just if there's a weather whiteout, if it snows, if it's foggy, you cannot navigate, and you can easily fall off of a cliff. Because this mountain isn't just made out of rock. It's made out of ice. This mountain is a glacier. It's a glacier mountain. This is crazy. So as we're climbing up, I'm just feeling the weight of the world on me because I, I brought a small water bottle that had flower designs on it, about this size. I didn't have the right gear, and you climb over 5,000 feet in elevation, and I just feel like my legs are getting so heavy, and my calves are getting so heavy. And for those of you who have ever played sports with me, you know that I, I cramp easily. <laughs> And I will fall out and I'll be out of commission for a while. So as I'm climbing this mountain, I'm so afraid of getting cramps. I'm so afraid of the weight. I'm so afraid of the cold. And where I was super excited, I started realizing this mountain is no joke. My legs feel really heavy. My boots feel really heavy. And Moses, who emceed last week, didn't he do a great job emceeing last week for the first time? Moses, can you raise your hand? 
Yeah, so, so Moses, he was also on this trip, and he did not know what he was getting into at all. And he, before we even climb the mountain, starts to throw up, and he's not feeling sick. And you're supposed to eat food like every hour, and he's not eating food. He's barely drinking any water. And we're like, how are we going to make it up this mountain? And Moses, wouldn't you agree, we just felt like heavy. We just felt like we are going to die on this mountain. There's no chance we can live. There's no chance we're going to ever see our families again. Started writing my will out for Pastor Aretha. Started thinking about her. And I want you to see, can you show that picture of a, yeah, so we actually went like 5,000 feet up. We're over 10,000 feet in elevation. I want you to show this picture of Moses. And so Moses, not the next one, Moses is climbing up, and at one point he fainted, <laughs> and he was throwing up, and he's like, hey, you guys want to see some frozen vomit? <laughs> and he's just like, I know I love Pastor Pradeep, because I am literally climbing a mountain for him <laughs> on his birthday. And as we're climbing this up, though, we kind of have these voices in our head saying, what are you doing? This is too much. This is heavy. You're an idiot. Do you really want to do this? You're too cold. You don't have enough water. You don't have enough food. And as the heaviness of the mountain is setting in on the outside, for me, it felt like the heaviness of the mountain was starting to settle into my soul. It started to make me feel heavy from the inside out. And I, I just feel, if we're going to be vulnerable and honest in this church at Comedy Club, many of us have started life with a certain amount of excitement or a job or our families or something. We started off really excited, thinking, I love this, I'm up for the challenge. But as the reality of life has set in for us, we've probably felt more and more heaviness in our souls. You know, I, I was reading some research on depression in America, and I didn't realize this, but one in 12 people in America right now are clinically diagnosed with depression. And I, I don't want to talk about clinical depression, because I, I believe there's something that's even more pressing for a lot of us in this room today, and it's this thing called uh, mild or low-grade depression. And it's really sweeping our nation in a lot of ways. It's where we don't necessarily feel like anything is terribly wrong in our lives, but we don't necessarily feel like anything is right in our lives. It's this lack of motivation to get up in the morning. It's this lack of zest and true life where we're not truly excited about anything. We don't know how we're going to make it through today. We're looking forward to sleep. We're not looking forward to waking up. And it's this idea of low-grade depression. And another way of saying that, I think, as we look in the scriptures, is a soul that is downcast or a soul that is just heavy. Have you ever felt that way in your life or have you ever known someone in your life and you're, you're thinking, there's just a heaviness on you. There's just a heaviness in your life. You're just, you're, you're, you're not ready to give up, but it just seems like every day you're just weighed down with the weight of the world. Just another thing. I already feel like I'm struggling to breathe, and oh, now you're adding another pound to my back. Oh, now another, oh, I just can't do this. And today, I want to talk about what do you do when you have a heavy soul? And there's a scripture in Psalm 42 that I've been just meditating on it 
I'm going to kind of divide it into two parts. The first part is Psalm 42, King David writing this, who had experienced setback and heartache and depression and a heaviness of the soul. He actually starts to talk to his soul in Psalm 42, 5. He says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And I love this scripture because it helps put to words stuff that I feel in my heart often. Even as a pastor, it helps me put to words things I often experience in my life, even today. He writes, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I love that he talks to his soul and asks the question, why are you so heavy? Why are you so downcast? And you might be feeling heaviness of the soul, but you don't know why. You don't know where it's coming from. And so we need to even evaluate our own hearts. Often when I'm talking to people with a heavy soul, there are usually three main broad areas of why souls are heavy. I want to I share those things. The first reason your soul might be heavy today is because you are haunted by the past. You know, things in your past, hurts, disappointments, plans that didn't go according to your plan. It just feels like that is creating a heaviness on your soul. There's a present heaviness on you based on a past hurt. In Lamentations 3.19, the scriptures say, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Have you ever thought of your past and the more you think of your past, you just feel like, ah, if only I would have asked her out. If only I would have taken that job. Oh, I wish I, I wouldn't have taken that job. Oh, I would have been a better father. I would have been a better mother. I would have been a better person. And as we think about the past or maybe the way our family was, oh, I can't believe my family treated me this way. I can't believe I had experienced the pain that others didn't experience. Why, God? What? Ah, why did this happen? It just feels like, oh, heaviness. My past is haunting me. I'm carrying the baggage of my past behind me all the days of the life. Maybe that's the reason why you are heavy today. Another reason I feel I see is shocked by the present. Your soul is heavy today because you're shocked by the present. In Job 4.5, the scripture says, But now trouble comes to you, and you are discouraged. It strikes you, and you are dismayed. Has trouble come to you today where you're like, I did not see this coming. I can't believe this is happening in my life or this is not where I thought I would be today. Have you ever had those thoughts in your life? I, I just didn't think the journey of my life, my path would bring me to this state of mind, this state of life today. I did not think I would be here today. You know, I, I feel this in my life so much. I, I, I feel I have heaviness in my soul today, even standing on stage, and this is the one I relate to the most. Like, in my family, there's just been reports of death, there's been horrible diagnoses, um, diagnoses, there's been just so many different things. There's like three divorces going on in my family right now, and I, I'm just thinking, I did not think this would happen to me today. I did not see this coming. This has totally blindsided me, and now I just feel weighed down. I feel heavy. I feel like the, the weight on my back 
and climbing this mountain of life that's just weighing down on my soul. Third thing that might be a reason your soul is heavy today is you just feel paralyzed by the future. How are you going to pay the bills a month from now? How are my children going to make it through this? How is my relationship going to do this? How is my career going to move forward? And we're just like paralyzed by the future, and we're trying to analyze things from every angle, and we experience maybe a, a paralysis of analysis. Have you ever been there? And you, you find, the more I think about the future, the more worry weighs down my heart, and there's a heaviness of the soul. It can be so daunting. Even Jesus experienced this in Mark 14, 33 and 34, looking to the future of the cross. He says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And the Jesus in verse 34 says this, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Looking to the cross, looking to the point where you take on the pain and the suffering and the sickness and absorb it onto himself, defeating death on the cross. Looking forward to that, he said, his soul was heavy. He was overwhelmed. Isn't that amazing to think that Jesus had emotions and feelings just like all of us do? And it creates a heaviness. I'm not trying to get you all depressed today. <laughs> but I do want to share some hope. I do want to share hope. And I want to let you know, you don't have to live with this heaviness. You don't have to let it bog you down. You know, as we're climbing this mountain, things are getting heavy, we started to do something interesting. We were climbing the mountain and started to separate from each other, and it just became like not us against the mountain, but it was like an individual pursuit to conquer the mountain. And as we're climbing up, we start just counting steps. Okay, I'm just going to make it to 500 steps. We spent 13 hours on this mountain. It was a long time on the mountain. And we're like, how are we going to make it to the top? And so we just started counting steps. One, two, three. And then we started saying things like, all right, we're going to do this. You're more than a conqueror. Pretty big. You can make it. And Moses was telling me, I just began to play mind games. After I recovered from fainting on the mountain alone, <laughs> I just started to remember things my coach used to say to me when I was training in the MMA. You know, you can make it through the fight. You punch that mountain right in the neck. You know, <laughs> you do this. And he's like, I began to count. And I began to think. And I began to talk to myself. And David, in the scripture, in Psalm 42, what we read earlier, he kind of does something similar. And this is a tool that David used in the scriptures and a tool that I actually use in my own life that really helps me at times. And it helped us on the mountain. And it's this idea of talking to yourself. Where are my self-talkers? Anybody here, you talk to yourself? Look to yourself and say, it's okay to talk to yourself. <laughs> in Psalm 42, 5, and then 6, David says that He says to himself, after he says, why is my soul so downcast within me? He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. I love this phrase that, that he says, put your hope in God. Who is he talking to? 
The first part, he's talking to his soul. He's saying, soul, why are you so downcast? Then he's still talking to his soul, saying, put your hope in God. And today, if you have a heavy soul, I want to let you know, you can talk to your soul. And when life is taking a toll, remember to guide your soul. David starts to give instructions to his soul. He says, put your hope in God. Remember God. And just like us on the mountain, we weren't going to let the mountain destroy us from the inside out. We are going to start talking to ourselves. I can do this. I'm more than a conqueror. I have the strength of Christ in me. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be moved. Well, we tried that a couple of times. <laughs> and it's this whole idea of talking to yourself. I want to read this quote from a book called Spiritual Depression. And the author writes this. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment in Psalm 42 that we just read was this. Instead of allowing the self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down? Or why is my soul downcast? Oh, my soul, he asked. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And I want to let you know today, you can preach to your soul. I mean, you can pull out an organ in your soul. You can get little weird wafer communion cups in your soul. You can get people to ask you about your autobiography in your soul. You can have church in your soul because the presence of God isn't just in this room. The presence of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. And sometimes we just need to create church inside of our souls and hearts. Sometimes we just need to say, soul, why are you so downcast? Hey, Put your hope in God. So we're going to make it. So remember what God has done for you. And sometimes we just need to say, hey, this heaviness is not my new normal. I don't have to accept it. Yeah, I'm going through it. Yes, I acknowledge it. But I will put my hope in God. So, so you're not going to guide me. I'm going to guide you. And when life takes its toll, I'm going to guide my soul. Amen. And so this is what King David does, and I, I think it's a tool that's in our arsenal for when we're feeling that heaviness of the soul. And so when you're going through a dark night of the soul or a heaviness, I want to encourage you with three things you can tell your soul. You can, number one, tell your soul, remember God's faithfulness in the past. Remember God's faithfulness in the past. And this is a phrase I say to myself quite often, and it helps me. I've experienced miracles. I've experienced answered prayers. I've experienced so many good things that I don't deserve. How many people are with me? You've seen the favor of God. You've seen miracles. You've seen things that shouldn't have worked out, and it did somehow. And I say to my soul, hey, if God did it back then, he can do it again. If God helped me back then, surely he can do it again. Because the same God that was with me in the storm a couple of years ago is in with the storm with me right now. And if he did it back then, he can do it again. You know, we read from Lamentations 3, and I, I didn't continue, and I want to pick up where that 
Lamentations 3 verse continues. It says, I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them well. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I will call to mind and therefore have hope. He's calling to mind his memories. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks it. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we just need to talk to ourselves and say, hey, if God helped me back then, he can do it again. God's been good to you, Kalos Church. God has been great to us. There are times in my life, I remember when I was in college, I had a bunch of warts on my feet. And I was so embarrassed to wear flip-flops. And I wouldn't go to the beach, I wouldn't swim, because they were both covered with so many warts. And I prayed to my God. And I said, God, would you heal me of these warts? And he said, yes. And I'm not joking. The next day, I was in Puerto Rico, and we were having a beach trip on the beach of Culebras, where it's one of the best beaches in the world. And I said, I want to swim at this beach. So I prayed. And I'm not joking. The next day, the warts all peeled off of my foot in a single wart-filled motion. It was glorious. And uh, I often think of that. If God helped me back then, he can do it again. I mean, there are times where I wanted to go on trips and I just couldn't afford it, like missions trips or different church things that I really felt like I wanted to be a part of. And I had to say, I can't do this. I can't afford it. And the next day, someone would write me a check for the exact amount of money I needed. And I, I remember those little miracles. I remember thinking I would never find someone to get married to, someone who was beautiful and would be called to ministry and would be strong yet gentle. And then I met Amritha. And I'm like, God has answered my prayers. And I'm thinking if God answered that prayer back then, he can do it again. And sometimes you just got to remind your soul how good God has been to you. And we talk to our soul. And so we remember and we look back and see the good. A quote by Helen Keller. Although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of overcoming. Amen? Although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of overcoming. Second thing I do and I tell my soul, another tool, is I cry out to God in the present. Psalm 42, 1-2, says this. I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. I like this phrase. I pour out my complaints before God. Sometimes with God, we think God is so holy. He's so distant. I don't want to bother him with my little old problems. And I don't want to complain. I don't want to have a bad heart. I don't want to be mean to God. I don't know if he can handle it. Well, guess what? He is God, and God can handle your honesty. I truly believe that. God can handle your honesty. And so the scripture says, I pour out my complaints before him, and I want to challenge you. Would you cry out to God in your presence? When you're in the midst of pain and trouble, and you're like, God, why? Why did you answer this prayer, God, but you're not answering this prayer? 
God, why, why are you helping this person over here, but I feel like you've forgotten me? God, where are you? God, what are you doing? What's happening? You can complain to God, and he can handle it. God can handle your honesty. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes in my, my prayer time and my time alone with God, it is not very friendly. There's some tension in my prayer life sometimes. I'm just like, God, I am mad at you. God, I am just upset. Some of you guys know you could do that. Be real with God. This is a relationship. And let's be real. He knows what you're thinking before you even really probably fully process what you're thinking. He knows your heart. You can be honest with God. God can handle your honesty. And there's times where I just, I journal out some of the meanest things to God. Some of our prayers are like these psalms where David's like, God, why have you forgotten me? God, why do you let the wicked flourish in my life? God, why did you give this person a promotion and not me? I've been here longer. I work harder. I'm more friendly. I have character. I'm an integrous person. And yet you're letting the wicked person over here flourish? You can be honest with God because some of you guys are going through some heavy things. And you just need to let it out. You need to tell your soul, hey, God is safe for you. He is someone you can trust your feelings and your words and your emotions. Soul, don't just bottle it all up. Pour your words out to God. I pour out my complaints to God. Third thing you can do when you're experiencing heaviness, third thing you can tell your soul to do is this. Trust in God's power for your future. I tell my soul that. Soul, you are going to trust in God's power for your future. I love that. Second Chronicles 32, 7-8 says this. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. For there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles for us. And Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. They're just remembering another scripture that I think of when I think of God in our future. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And so we sometimes just have to tell ourselves, trust God in your future. Trust God for your tomorrow. Trust God for the week after. And when our souls are heavy, sometimes the last thing we want to do is trust God. Sometimes the last thing we want to do is pray to God. You know, there is so much heaviness in this world. And that's not the time to ignore God when you're heavy. That's the time to lean into God. He's a good God. You can trust him with your soul. You can trust him with your life. And I know that there are people in here, maybe right now you feel far from God. You're new to this whole church experience. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining us and being here today. It's a real honor. But I want to let you know that all of us, if you walked in here with a heavy soul and you feel just alone and isolated, I want to let you know you can remind your soul 
that God helped you in the past. You can remind your soul that you can be honest with God in the presence. Present. You can remind your soul, you can tell your soul right now that God is worthy of trusting. And we can place our hope in him. There have been so many times where we've trusted God. And you guys know my story, but even in my depression, when I was a teenager and I'm suicidal and I was depressed and I was in the street so many times waiting for a car to hit me. I wanted to end my life. It was in that moment where God reached out and he saved me. He helped me. It was in my times of low-grade depression, but also severe depression where I was plotting out how I would end my life, where my parents would find me in the middle of the road waiting for traffic to hit me. It was in those times when my family was just going through it, calling my mom out on the same thing as she was experiencing depression and finding her overdose on the floor, calling the ambulances and, and being like, God, where are you? I'm like 11 years old. Like, why do all the other kids have perfect lives? Why can't I have my prayers answered too? And I... I didn't feel like praying to God back then. But time and time again, God showed up in my life. And he helped me and he answered prayers I didn't even know to pray. He saved my life and he restored hope in my life. And I, I just, I hate that so many of our souls are heavy this morning. My soul is so heavy this morning. Honestly, I'm not ready to go into all the details of it, but my soul is heavy. This soul, this sermon is so hard to preach, but it's the sermon I need to hear. And I want to let you know I, I need this sermon as much as all of us. Because when we're going through hell, we don't stop. We trust God. We put one foot in front of the other. We remind our souls, God is a good God. We have a reason for hope. We have a reason for life. We have a God we can trust. Soul, don't carry this alone. We can literally cast our cares on God, and he will take care of us. Even right now, I just want you to just imagine yourself holding the cares you're carrying. All the things that are weighing you down right now. What is it? Is it something from your past that's haunting you? Is it something from your present that's troubling you? Is it something that is in your future that's kind of paralyzing you? And it's just weighing you down? What is that thing? I just want you to imagine that in your hand. Now I just want you to picture yourself telling your soul, hey, we're going to cast these cares on God. We're going to pour them out on Him. We're going to throw them at Him. Even if we're super angry, we're going to we're going to melt it at him. We're going to cast our cares on God, for he cares for us. I believe, Caleb's truth, is that as we do this, we're going to experience freedom and lightness in the soul detox. How many of you guys could use God right now to help you in your heaviness? How many of you guys can use the soul detox in this place? Let me pray for you. Dear Father, we thank you for this opportunity to detox. We cast our cares on you. Lord, in every part of our life, in our health, in our finances, in our marriages, in our children, 
in our careers, in our low-grade depression, in our high-grade depression, for those of us who are just battling, Father, I pray that you would bring rest, that you would bring lightness, that you would help us with our souls. So I bless the people of Kalos right now. And Lord, we know that your life is easier, your yoke is easy. So we cast our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You know, before I get off the stage,